Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. I am your lone host today, Filippo Silva. I am unfortunately not joined by Pete today. He is busy, has some stuff going on. And I thought to myself, we can't go two weeks without uploading a podcast. And we do have to talk about the game that's going to happen this Wednesday, uh, United States versus Mexico. We're going to be playing this Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern time, right? Wednesday, April 19th on the Continental Classico, which I call the, the El Cachico or the ultimate cash grab derby. There's many ways to call this, this match, right, between USA and Mexico. I'm going to quickly go through it today. We'll go through Mexico's roster, the United States' roster, some changes that happened, there were injuries, and that's it. I won't make this a long episode because I don't think this camp deserves maybe that much time of a coverage, and also I'm alone here. There's only so much I can talk about on my own with no one really countering me here. Uh, Just think about it right now. I'm recording this podcast just talking to myself. Right. I'm talking to myself right now. But anyhow, as I said, the United States will be playing Mexico this Wednesday. We're going to obviously be covering that on YouTube. And next week, we'll probably talk about it in the podcast with Pete briefly. But it's essentially a cash grab camp, which we're going to watch the game. We're going to enjoy. We're going to have fun. But it's as meaningless as it gets. And before I even talk about the rosters and everything, let me just put the context of what I'm saying here. This game is being played in the middle of the MLS season, in the middle of the European season, in the middle of Liga MX season. You're taking the players away in the middle of the season. They might even miss a game or two, a game, right? And if they don't miss a game, they're going to be tired for that game, regardless, because they're playing over the weekend, they're traveling. It doesn't really add up. Like, it's not a FIFA window, so clubs are not obligated to release. They just kind of have to. For that reason, you see, like, even MLS-wise and Liga MX-wise, both are not sending their best, right? They're still missing some players. It It's just a camp that doesn't make sense, right? We talk about Camp Cupcake very often that's played in January. That one makes more sense because MLS is usually in the offseason. So you just bring in the best American MLS players. Uh, whether you think this camp is useful or not, Camp Cupcake in January, that's a different discussion, but it makes more sense. You're not really taking them away midseason from their clubs. Just preseason, they get a few friendlies for the U.S. men's national team. You try to promote the national team. You know, they try to use it to promote MLS, too. Uh, And you get some guys to 
play a game with the United States uniform, right, with the kit. So that's okay. But this one is literally just a straight-up cash grab. Nothing more, nothing less. There's no other way to describe it. Middle of the season, just put that game right there. But nevertheless, let's talk about Mexico and the United States. Let's start with Mexico before I go to the updates of the United States. And the first thing I will talk about here right away is I'm going to go through some like part of the article that U.S. Soccer did put in their website. And it's kind of funny the way they word it. Like they talk about footballing history, for example. I'm going to read it for you and quote them, not me. So they put it like this. Historically, Mexico has been one of the strongest teams in the region. Look, historically, Mexico has been the best team in the region, right? Right now, I think the United States is ahead of Mexico, but historically, they've been better. Qualifying for the past eight FIFA World Cups in 17 overall, L3 participated in the first World Cup in Uruguay in 1930, in which there was no qualifying. L3's best World Cup showings came uh, as they hosted the tournament and advanced to the quarterfinals in 1970 and 1986. Mexico has also captured the CONCACAF Gold Cup eight times, 1993, 1996, they have also made seven appearances in the FIFA Confederations Cup beginning in 1995 and winning the championship in 1999. In 2012, Mexico made history becoming the first CONCACAF country with an Olympic gold medal at London Summer Games, besting Brazil in the final at Wembley. Javier Hernandez Chicharito, who plays for the LA Galaxy, is the all-time leading goal scoring, finding the net 52 times in 109 matches. So they try to hype up Mexico, but here's the thing. Everything they described here is Mexico's best. What we're seeing this camp is most certainly not Mexico's best. And that I'll tell you why, because we're going to look at their roster right now that Diego Coca is bringing to play the United States on Wednesday. So there are some good players in this roster. There are some interesting players for Mexico, uh, whether you're American or Mexican. There are some interesting players to watch out for in this specific game. So for this match, uh, Diego Coca brought three goalkeepers, being Carlos Acevedo from Santos Laguna, Luis Malagón from Club América, that's obviously replacing Memo Ochoa, that's in Europe, and Jose Antonio Rodriguez from Tijuana. Those are the three goalkeepers that he brought on. As for defenders, he brought Kevin Alvarez, the right back for Pachuca, a quality right back, and Julian Arajo, the former LA Galaxy right back that's now in Barcelona B. So those are two interesting ones, right? If you're an L3 fan, those two fullbacks, I'd be interested in watching them. And then they, they also brought center back Nestor Arajo from Club America. And then another interesting name here for L3 fans is Omar Campos, the left back, the young promising left back from Santos Laguna. He also makes it to the L3's roster. And with that said, he looks to get his first cap. He hasn't played for them yet. But along with him, you also have another guy that will probably play left back, which is Jesus Gallardo from Monterrey that has way too many caps for L3. He has 82. Probably shouldn't have that many. Probably shouldn't. Then you also have Vitor Guzman from Monterrey, Israel Reyes from Club America, good player, and Gilberto Sepulveda from Chivas Guadalajara that surprisingly has been having a very good season in Liga Mackey's Chivas, despite the team not being the best, in my personal opinion. But now the midfielders, you have Efrain Alvarez, right, from the LA Galaxy. He makes the roster. He already has four caps for Mexico, but Efra Alvarez makes the roster. So you can see the roster ain't that strong, the strongest one, right? Efra Alvarez played for the Galaxy. Usually he's not really in good shape. He's an okay player, not that great, and he makes it to this roster. Then you have Uriel Antuna from Cruz Azul. You have Fernando Beltran. Antuna, obviously, many of you are familiar with Antuna. Uh, then you have Fernando Beltran from Chivas Guadalajara. Alan Cervantes from Santa Laguna. Luis Chavez from Pachuca. Luis Chavez um, he had a good World Cup, man. 
if I'm not mistaken, it was Luis Chavez. He was either one that scored that beautiful free kick for Mexico in the World Cup. I think it was Luis Chavez. He played very well, the player from Pachuca. Then you have Oziel Ejera from Atlas, Aldo Rocha from Atlas, Carlos uh, Charlie Rodriguez from Cruz Azul, Eric Sanchez from Pachuca, and Alexis Vega from Chivas Guadalajara that you're all probably familiar with as well. Then up top, the forwards, they are missing. Like This is what I talk about, not having their best forwards from, from Liga Mekis, for example. They brought two players that never played for Mexico before. I've never had a cap. Henry Martinez is not here. Who else? Um, even Funes Mori would have been another option. But I don't know if Funes Mori. Is he healthy? I think he is. But the forwards that Diego Coca are bringing are Roberto de la Rosa from Pachuca and Edgar Ivan Lopez from Toluca. Both players will seek to get their first cap for Mexico. So if you ask me, is this a Mexico B team? It's probably not a B team. This is more like a C team or maybe even, I wouldn't say D team because you still see players that could and will be even in an A roster. We've seen Antuna being an A roster many times. Luis Chavez will probably be in an A roster, right? Nestor Araujo will probably be in an A roster. Kevin Alvarez and Julian Araujo can fight for a backup right back position. Omar Campos could rise. Jesus Gallardo. So... Alexis Vega, they could. these are players that could be in their A roster, but then you have players that are probably from a C or D roster. I'll say this is probably more of like a B minus or C plus roster for Mexico. They're, they're not sending their best here, right? That's the truth. Not even their best Liga Mekis Mexican player. They're missing a few key players there. But you see, that doesn't matter too much because the U.S. is roughly doing the same. And we replaced two players, by the way. Christian Rodon and Paul Riola were originally called up but they're not going to be in camp, okay? Christian Roldan and Paul Riola. But before I even continue, let me put a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings. It's NBA playoffs time. Playoffs time. That means big hoops in action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in excitement every game with the touch of a button. New customers can bet $5 pregame money line and, and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. But listen to that carefully if their team wins. So make sure you bet responsibly. So download now the app and sign up with the code THPN. That is THPN. You got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code THPN. New customers, once again, can make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code THPN. I actually bet this weekend a little bit completely off topic for all of you outside of soccer. I bet on two NBA games and I got both right. And there's no analysis into it. I literally just bet because these are two teams I like. I lived in New York for many years, so I do like the Knicks. I have some feelings for the Knicks. It's kind of weird, right? Saying I have some feelings for the Knicks almost sounds like I'm talking about a relationship. Uh, But I do like the New York Knicks and I lived in New York and they're in the East Coast. And my other team is the Lakers that are on the West Coast. And I bet some money on the New York Knicks, and they won. They won their their away game in the NBA, made some good money there. And I also did bet on the Lakers to defeat uh, Memphis. And the Lakers did defeat Memphis uh, with an unexpected hero. It wasn't really LeBron or AD. Uh, But those games were the ones I bet on, made some good money off it. But again, be responsible. No one gets rich off gambling. You can make some money. You can have some fun. You can lose some money. Just bet money you're willing to lose. That's it. 
But the United States roster, let's go through that for the El Cachico Derby. The United States brought three goalkeepers under interim head coach Anthony Hudson. The three goalkeepers are Drake Callender from Inter-Miami, never played for the United States, zero caps. Roman Celentano from FC Cincinnati, scored a known goal over the weekend, unfortunately. Didn't have the best of games this weekend. And then you have Sean Johnson from Toronto FC that has played way too many games for the United States, in my opinion, at this point. I would personally just want to put Roman Celentano to play. So, defenders, we have Serginho Des from AC Milan, which is unfortunate that he's here because that means the club doesn't really give two craps where he is. They just released him, go play for the United States, doesn't matter. You have Aaron Long from LAFC, which I did watch El Trafico this weekend, and I did bet on LAFC. They defeated LA Galaxy, uh, and Aaron Long was terrible as always, right? He got bailed out once by once or twice, but the one I clearly remember was he tried to go for interception. He mistimes it. And then Chicharito is put in a one-on-one situation with the LAFC goalkeeper that bails out Aaron Long. But then later on, they had another LA, another Galaxy attack. Aaron Long makes a very bad timing mistake in the cross. And then the Galaxy score. And they almost came back because of that. And then on the build-out, on the ball, Aaron Long is completely useless. Uh, terrible, terrible player to be quite honest i know it sounds harsh but he, he he's just not a good player i don't know how else to put this i could just say i don't rate aaron long if i want to just be very nice about it but the truth is he's just simply not a good player he's barely go a good mls player and he's just gonna kind of it's gonna get a little bit hidden because of how good lafc is which they're truly a good team but Aaron Long's not good. Then we also have Julian Gressel from the Vancouver Whitecaps. You all might remember him also from the Atlanta United days. He's okay. Not really a good fullback. Shouldn't be in the A roster or even in the B roster. For this camp, I really don't care enough. And then you have Matt Miazga from FC Cincinnati. He's back with the national team. And he kind of had an interview where he kind of took a jab on Greg Berhalter. He clearly doesn't like Berhalter, Matt Miazga. I kind of want to know why, but we'll see. Then you have Shaq Moore from Nashville, the right back that was in the World Cup, one of our worst performers in the World Cup. You have Caleb Wiley from Atlanta United, which is one of our most promising players, actually, in the U20 level. Very promising left back that can also play on the wing. Fantastic player, Caleb Wiley. Then you also have a very promising center back here, which is Josh Winder from Loose City. He's heading to Benfica this summer for, I think, $1.5 and he is probably our highest ceiling center back in the U20 level. Then you have in this roster DeAndre Yedlin from Inter Miami. I'm totally fine with Yedlin being being included in this roster. It makes total sense. And Yedlin actually has already 77 caps for the U.S. Men's National Team. That's a lot. Uh, and then you also have here, along with Yedlin, you have Walker Zimmerman from Nashville. That was our center back for most of the World Cup qualifying, or starting one of our starting center backs in the World Cup. He also makes the roster. In the midfield, you have Kel Costa from LAFC. Aiden Morris, promising player there in the midfield from the Columbus crew, plays more as a six, but can play in the double pivot as well. Paxton Pomichol from FC Dallas was added to the roster after Paul Riola and Christian Roldan were cut. I think Paul Riola was a hamstring tightness and Christian Roldan was a concussion. And then you have James Sands from New York City FC. He's back with the U.S. Men's National Team. He's also back in MLS playing for NYC FC after not doing so well for Rangers in Scotland. We also have Alan Sonora from Juarez in Mexico, and then somehow, seriously, somehow, Jackson Yule from the San Jose Earthquakes is back. Yes, Anthony Hudson is bringing Sexy back. He brought Jackson Yule. I thought the Jackson Yule era was done. It was over, but apparently it's not over. I mean, look, I don't expect to see Jackson Yule 
in an A roster, even a B roster. But could you imagine if we go to Gold Cup and we have Jackson Yule still playing for the United States? We really don't need him at this point. I don't think he will be. Um, I think it was mainly he's here because of like it's very hard to build this roster. So I give Anthony Hudson some credit right there. It's very hard because players are not released. Like I said, this cash grab derby is in the middle of the MLS season. It's hard to get MLS players released. It's hard to get, hard to get Liga Mekis players released. Like Zendejas wasn't released, for example, by Club America. And European players are definitely not getting released besides like Dest, which is in a very unique situation where the club literally just wants to get rid of him. But going on to the forwards, we have Kate Cowell from the San Jose Earthquakes. We have Jesus Ferreira from FC Dallas, Jordan Morris from the Seattle Sounders, and Brendan Vasquez from FC Cincinnati. One thing about this roster is you don't really have pure wingers. I know Jordan Morris... Uh, now Rudy is the center for, but he's played also as a nine for the Sounders this season. Vasquez is a nine. His is not really a nine, but he's also not a winger. His is more of like a shadow strike or a 10. And Kate Cowell is more of a winger there, but he can also play as a center as, as a center forward. So I wonder how Hudson will set this up. Maybe we'll even see Morris or Jesus on the wing. I can see that. I don't know how he's going to set up this team. I can tell you how I would probably set up this team. I'll probably just go with um Celentano on goal. The right back, I'll just put Serginho Dest. The left back, I'll just put Caleb Wiley. Then the two center backs, I would just throw there Josh Winder and Matt Miazga. Or maybe Josh Winder with Walker Zimmerman. And then you can put Matt Miazga in the second half. Uh, the midfield, if we just play a regular 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, whatever you want to do, I'd probably just put Kellen Acosta. Um, Aiden Morris and I guess Alan Sonora. This midfield has like no creativity. This roster is going to be pure soccer terrorism when you look at it, right? Like, look at this midfield. Kalna Costa is more of a six. Aiden Morris is more of a six. Paxton Pomichol is more of useless. Sorry, that was a bad joke. <laughs> Paxton Pomichol is an eight, but not a creator in my opinion. He'll work hard in the midfield, press, whatever. James Sands is a six or center back. Alan Sonora, I guess, is a 10, but he hasn't really convinced me. And then Jackson Yule is a six. Lots of sixes in players that don't create. So I guess if you want to try to do something midfield, just put Cal Costa. What I would probably do is just put Cal Costa, Aiden Morris, and then put Jesus Ferreira as the 10. I'll put him as a 10. And then I'll probably put Brendan Vasquez as the center forward, Cade Cow on the right wing, and Jordan Morris on the left wing. This roster is just a disgrace. So it's kind of hard to build, you know, the best 11, but that's probably what I would go, go with. So Brendan Vasquez is center forward. Jesus as a 10. Cow on the right wing. Morris on the left wing. Um, Acosta and Aiden Morris as a double pivots, which will be very defensive. But that way, the guy, the four guys up top don't have to do as much defensive work. They'll still have to go back and defend. It's not like Acosta and Aiden Morris are going to hold everyone on their own, but I'm just saying that it can work that way. But nevertheless, everyone, the game will be played this Wednesday. Uh, I apologize if this podcast was very short. There's not much more to talk about. I'm also alone in this podcast, so I can't really exchange opinions with Pete. Um, in regards to the weekend, we did a whole recap on Tactical Manager TV about the U.S. Men's National Team Abroad Series, a recap on the players. They talked about Pulisic, uh, Pulisic situation with Chelsea, which I don't really know, right? I talked mainly what I want to talk about before I wrap things up here in the podcast. We'll, we'll close it around minute 20. It's going to be a short one. Is I was talking about how Christian Pulisic's contract expires in 2024, so he has one more season with Chelsea. And if Chelsea demands... 30 to 40 million for a player that has one year on his contract that has a history of being injury prone in the premier league has high wages and has been inconsistent with his performances, right? With some very good ones and some very okay ones. 
or bad ones at times. Like this weekend, he wasn't good. I don't really think any club is going to be willing to play pay thirty to forty million for him for Christian Pulisic. That's just my opinion on it. So unless Chelsea really takes that value down and maybe just like you know puts Christian Pulisic for a twenty million price tag or something like that. I could see him being stuck at Chelsea and just like being there until his contract runs out. I could see that happening. I don't know if Chelsea will be willing to sell him for more. They should so they can cash in. Um, doesn't look like they really need him. Well, actually, they kind of do, but it doesn't seem like they really want him. We'll see. Time will tell. Chelsea will also sign a new coach during the summer. Frank Lampard won't stay there. So that's all I had to say for this episode. So we will be doing a live watch along on Tactical Manager TV this Wednesday for United States versus Mexico in the El Cachico Derby, the cash grab continental derby. And again, I know it's hard to be excited about this game, and I am not that excited. But I do think, you know, a late game on Wednesday here in the East Coast, 10 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. Pacific, uh, it's going to be enjoyable. We're going to have fun with it. And, And again, if we beat Mexico, it's always fun to beat Mexico. I love beating Mexico, right? You do too. So let's just watch the game. Let's just have fun with it. Uh, Nothing at stake. It doesn't really matter if we win. It doesn't really matter if we lose. Nothing really matters in this game. But I do want to say one thing before we go, actually. One thing. There are some accounts that, I don't know. I don't, I want to, they're not stupid, but they're just very clueless of what they say. They'll bring it up saying, you guys are complaining about this game, but it's going to bring money for U.S. soccer, right? And you all want them to sign Jose Mourinho and you want them to sign these expensive coaches and this game will bring more money for them. They'll sign them. It's like, we've had cash grab games in the past and guess what? We didn't really sign Jose Mourinho. We signed Greg Berhalter. We signed Bruce Arena or a coach like Jurgen Klinsmann, which was way too expensive, in my opinion, for what he offers. So I'm sorry. Um, it's not going to be this derby that's going to lead to us signing Jose Mourinho. And and U.S. soccer has a lot of good revenue streams coming up the next few years. The Copa America, they're going to make money on that. They're going to have the Olympics. They're going to make money on the Olympics. Uh, CONCACAF Nations League, Gold Cup. That, is, that Gold Cup also in 2025, U.S. soccer is going to make a lot of money on it because we're going to bring European teams, Commonwealth teams, and the World Cup. So the revenue streams for this cycle for U.S. soccer are going to be big. And there's going to be also more hype because of the World Cup. And even the Americans abroad, all the players, the talented players we have playing better. So I don't think this cash grab derby, this is literally just a derby for for like some to promote MLS players, uh, make U.S. soccer make some money that they just like overspend in stupid shit. Like they really like the, 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 the management of them is just terrible. It's a disgrace. So uh, look, Defend the coach if you want, right? You like Greg Berhalter, defend Berhalter. Um, but don't defend the Federation. Most of the stuff they do is not really defensible. You can't really stand with it. It doesn't add up to me. I don't get people that still defend many of the decisions from the Federation. I'm not saying like having this game is the end of the world. I just think this game is useless. Um, and it's not going to bring new fans. If anyone watches this game and watches the quality of, I'm not going to talk about the Mexican players, but the American players, these are not even the best MLS players, right? There's a lot of MLS players that are far better. A lot of them are not American, right? That's the thing. A lot of them are not American. But that's all for this episode. I want to thank you all very much for listening. I apologize that it was a short one, 20-something minutes. But that's all for today. I'll see you guys Wednesday. And next week, me and Pete are back for the Tactical Yanks podcast. All right. Ciao.